Hello and welcome to episode number 89 of the Hobbies and Happies podcast, where we talk all about the hobby that makes us happy, tabletop gaming. I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Jim. And today we're talking with co-designer of card game Varia, Tessitore. Anthony Tessitore. <laughs> All right, so yeah, today we're talking to uh, we just I have we got to do it again, Anthony Tessitore. Tessitore, Tessitore. Depends if you want to go with the American pronunciation of Tessitore or you want to. I mean, it's always more fun being Italian and talking like you're Italian is always more fun. So it's is it Varia, 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 Varia. I don't know. Maybe that's Russian. I don't know. Sounds Russian. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before we get into the episode, let's talk about our sponsor, Amazon Audible. If you head over to our our affiliate link at www.audibletrial.com forward slash hobbies and happiness, I got to enunciate my words and and just slow down a little bit. Yes. Just hold it like this. Uh, Just hold it it like it is. Yes. Head over to our affiliate link. You can sign up for your free 30-day trial of Amazon's Audible service. You know, when you sign up for that free 30-day trial, you get a free audiobook added to your account. That's right. One free audiobook added to your account that you can keep forever, even if you cancel before the end of that 30 days. Now, what's even better is if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get two free books, two free books added to your account. I still have all those credits on my account. I need mm-hmm. to use the credits. Let me borrow some. Yeah. <laughs> so again, head over to our affiliate link, sign up for that free trial, get your free credits today. All right. So today, like we've talked about, we're talking with Anthony Tessitore, one of the co-designers and co-founders of Guild House Games and co-designer of the card game Varia. Varia is a first-person um, expandable card game. I almost said trading card game. Now, it's not. It, it's, not a, it's not a trading card game. We've talked a, at length on this podcast before about the differences between expandable card games and trading card games. This is an expandable card game model. Uh, so again, you buy you buy the box. You're going to have everything that you need. And that was they've they made choices as you know as the reason that they went with that model. You'll learn about here in a minute. But um, guys, really, before we even get into this, go to playvaria.com. If you want to learn more about the game, head over there right now. Um, you can you can sign up for uh, you can be on their email list. But if you head over to their website, you can find everything you need to know about the game. And before we even get into it, you need to go do that. There's a lot of great resources there. And guys. This is a really, really fun card game. We've only played this game a few times, mm-hmm. but it is a lot of fun. We want to be doing more content around this game, so go check it out. I know before we even get into this talk, you should go check it out. So um, go check it out, and then when you do, come back for the rest of this podcast. And you know what? Let's just jump right into it right now. Here you go. All right. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Anthony Tessitore. Of Guildhouse Games LLC and a, a designer extraordinaire of the game Varia. So, co founder of Guildhouse Games LLC and co designer of the first person card game Varia. Anthony, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Good. No, it's, I'm happy to be here. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing great. I just, uh, I just came off of a long stint. Actually, we were talking about our kids earlier. I had to take my daughter to an appointment like an hour and a half away. It was like a wow. whole day. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy to finally just like be in my own space. I'm <laughs> um, really excited to be talking about, you know, hobbies and, and yeah. happiness, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's, it's feeling good. I'm doesn't feeling it just good. flow? It just flows it just right flows. there, doesn't it? It does. It's, it's a good name. Hey, it's a good name. <laughs> 
So so give give him give him the real quick four hundred one on the name real oh, quick. Okay, real quick. all right. Uh, I was at a I was at Walmart with my family. My dad was wondering like, hey, when are you guys gonna be have giving me grandkids? And uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was like, we prefer to have hobbies and happiness. So. Um, and instantly i was like that is the name because i was trying to figure out like a business name before i even like knew dan about it and Mm -hmm. uh and i just we had hobbies and happiness and And uh yeah we just went with it yeah i love when stuff like that happens yeah Yeah. that's like those kind of stories are my favorite Mm -hmm. my favorite story like even like varia like the way we came up with that name was um so originally we wanted to call it victory okay because uh we wanted like the goal of the game was to win and we were kind of gonna we were gonna play that up a little bit and it was like your journey to victory right your journey to winning Mm -hmm. so we went to get the trademark and obviously there's victory um it's a car it's a card company like they make playing cards. oh yes 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 so we couldn't get the trademark yeah and uh, so th- this is speaking to our inexperience. We had already done the back with the V. <laughs> and so we were like, now we could have, you know, it wouldn't have cost that much to right. redo it if we right. had to, but we really liked it. Right. Yeah. So we we're like, okay, how do we, we need to come up with a new name that starts with V. That's like, that's our constraint. Like how uh-huh. do we find something with a V in it? And so we were pitching things back and forth, back and forth. And Sean pitched, you know, Varia. And at first I was like, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I, I hate it. Like, it's like, I hate it's like, it. I hate it. And he was like, first of all, it means it varies, which is the core of what our game is because uh, yeah. it uses dice. He's like, second of all, it means a collection of works. So we can yeah. ex- be free to explore like different flavors of fantasy and different characters and it will be an all-encompassing title and he was like third of all it's italian so i don't understand (laughs) where your reservations are coming from and by the like from the beginning of that conversation to the end i was like i love this (laughs) of all time you went through the Uh, gamut you went from hating it to absolutely loving it it was insane I was like, I'm like, you, I'm like, you convinced me. I'm convinced. That's awesome. (laughs) That's sick. That is hilarious. So, um, all right. So, um, for those of you that don't know, like, like, like we talked about, Anthony is a co-designer of of the card game Varia. So Anthony, before we even really dive into Varia a little bit, can you tell us in our audience, give us a little backstory and of your history in the card game and in the tabletop space in general? Yeah, so uh, I got my start writing uh, names and flavor text for uh, Magic the Gathering. Uh, so I did that for a number of years, and then I started working with uh, Wizards a little bit more as like a creative consultant. I did uh, some storyboarding with them on like the Amonkhet trailers, uh, things like that. Um, I was really, really interested in design. And I started trying to kind of push into that world a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, with, with magic. Um, and then I just, um, I don't know. I just, I just, I felt like I had more in me than what I would have been able to do if I would have continued down that path and like, mm-hmm. you know, worked that 
wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have it would have taken me forever to climb the ladder to get yeah. to be able to do really what I wanted to do. Right. Uh, so I just said, you know what, I'm I'm gonna just I want I want to make a game. Like that's really what mm-hmm. I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just started working on on Varia instead. But it was before I knew, you know, it was right. Varia. It was right. before before Sean. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, so, um, bef- before we even get there, you know, you just said, you just said the, some of the three magic, magic, most magical words in the card game space, right? Magic the gathering. Jim has a right. question for anyone who has experience oh. in that magical world. Jim, go ahead. All right. So, depending on how you answer this, is going to set up for the rest of the conversation, the whole mood, okay. all right? So I need to know, what is your favorite color and or color combination? Oh, that is a great question. My favorite color is red. Oh, man. Okay, cool. You've, you've, like, cool, cool. Ever, at, each of the last ones have all been, like, good. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good for you. They've all been right. good. All right. Why, so, so why is it red? Why is it red? Yeah. Um, so, a, so my um, goes back to when I was a kid. Uh, the first deck that I ever made and took to a tournament was uh, Red Burn. It was just Love straight. It. Yeah, it was, it was just burn. Um, I, like I don't know, and I really don't know why. I like over my lifespan with Magic. I mean, I've I've been following that game since I was eight. So, I mean, oh, like all, wow. this is yeah. like 1990, 1996, 95. Okay. Like Mirage was yep. the set first that I was into. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm dating myself here a little bit. But uh, I, I really don't know what it was about Red that just kind of draw, drew me into it. It was mm-hmm. a kind of a mix. It was a mix of like, I really liked the comedy I, I, I have a bad rap in the Magic community for, for people thinking that I hate comedy writing on Magic cards, mm-hmm. which I don't understand, like, why, because <laughs> it's not true at all. Uh, I have a feeling that Mike Lineman, for anyone who knows the Magic community, Mike Lineman is, like, he's really into the art side of things. He and I used to do a podcast together uh, called Snack Time with Mike and Ant, where I would cover the, like, written side of flavor and he would cover the art side. But I'm pretty sure he started that rumor just like to annoy me, just <laughs> because he knew. Just, yeah, just like, like in a friendly way because he knew it right. wasn't true. But right. So anyway, I think when I was a kid, I really appreciated like the the funny kind of like uh-huh. comedic flavor that a lot of the red cards had, like Jaya Ballard and the goblins and like mm-hmm. Mogs at the time, mm-hmm. like Tempest mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just really liked the just the cool kind of like mage punk vibe mm-hmm. of annihilating your opponent with like giant balls of fire like just mm-hmm. something about that uh really spoke spoke to me mm-hmm. so um so red i just kind of like fell in love with yeah. and then over time you know i dabbled in red black red blue uh, red, green, like, you know, just, let's not, think. Let's not talk but about that. it was, it was always red. Red was always mine. So, favorite. so what was it that pulled you into magic? Cause you took, cause you talked about Mirage being, being that first set for, for you. Yeah. Like, what was it that pulled you in? 
So, okay. So this is a, such a weird story. Um, so I was, I was at my house and my mom's best friend came over with her son. Her son was in high school when I was however old, like eight. Mm-hmm. Right. So he was way older than I was. <clears throat> he, he came over with his, uh, with his mom and he had his magic cards with him and he was just kind of like organizing them on our kitchen table. And I, I can remember like being just tall enough that I could kind of see, you know, like what they were, but I had no idea like what he was doing. He also wasn't like super nice to me. So he wasn't explaining anything to me. I was, I was like that annoying kid, like, what's that? Like, yeah. Oh, what, blah, blah, blah. It's like, kid, get out of here. You know, I'm, like, I'm organizing my stuff. I got a tournament this weekend. You know? But, uh, and, and what makes it weird is that the, the thing that like, I can distinctly remember was a picture of a boat or like a pirate ship, which like in the history of magic, there's there, there were maybe like three possible mm. cards. Like at the time that that could have been like, it could have been ghost ship right. or like war barge or like, just like got like awful mm-hmm. cards that nobody would ever in their right mind even have. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't even know why they would be on my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, I'm probably not remembering it correctly, but I just like it was a long time ago. It's okay. (laughs) And I remember thinking like, those look really cool. I wonder what those were. Mm -hmm. And then like almost a year later, I went to my cousin's house. Uh, who's like a year older than me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, I got to show you this, this game that my friends are playing. And he handed me a deck of cards. And I was like, Oh my God, these are those things that like, <laughs> I, I didn't know what they were like, but yeah. this is, these are the things. And like at that moment, like when I was holding them, I was just like, I want to know everything about it. It felt like, I don't know. It was weird. It was like this thing that I had like almost liked and then lost and then somehow found me again. Like, mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm, I'm going to get really into this. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, that was kind of like my first experience. It was like over a year process, but it was, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, just something about it. It really drew me in. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. It, so it's, it, it's one of those things where like, it just, it pulled you in, but you like, you, you can't really put your finger on like what exactly it was, but you just felt that, that pull a little bit. Yeah. Right? I I mean I've always really really liked creative things like art and writing and movies and and like comic books and and those things have always been really attractive to me like mm-hmm. um, especially fantasy property stuff mm-hmm. and as a kid I didn't really have a lot of exposure to fantasy things mm-hmm. like it was few and far between it's not like today where there's just like media everywhere like right, it was right. it was kind of hard to right. find that stuff and so we remember i, I just yeah right and so like <laughs> i i can remember getting these cards and thinking like wow these are like things that i can collect like baseball cards but they have stuff on them that i'm actually yes. you know interested yep. in looking at yeah um and yeah i don't know it was it was more just like the right subject matter. Like mm-hmm. it, it was kind it was, it was, and it's hard to describe to people today, but you have to imagine like knowing the kind of media that you want 
but not being able to find it. And so then when you finally do, you're just yeah. like, I'm all in yep. on this. Yes. I might not ever find anything else. Mm-hmm. I think similar, that's it. You know? I, I think that's it right there. Cause that is something I can hundred percent relate to. A- ab- yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and honestly, like, I think before you said that <clears throat> I've, I've, cause I've had those experiences many times in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, right. maybe not many times, but, but a few. And you know what, if, if I, if I honestly went back and really thought about what happened in that moment, I think what you just explained is a perfect description. Um, I mean, have you had experience like that before or, or, or you just knew what you wanted, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like ever since I was young, it was always like Pokemon was in my life. Yeah. And so like pretty much right when it came to the U.S., I was watching it on TV, yeah, right? Right, and I and I'm a few years younger than you, so like it was from roughly the time I was about six, five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, then the rest of my life, Pokemon was in it, Yu-Gi-Oh was in yeah. it, every yeah. other card game was in it. So it's a little yeah. bit different for me. Yeah, yeah. but for right. me, for me, like it was, it was very different because it, at, at a young age, I didn't have all those things mm-hmm. in my life, but. Because when I, I I experienced these things older, but it was yeah. just just like Ann just said, I didn't know exactly what it was that I was looking for, and then in yeah. that moment, it's like that's it right there. Mm-hmm. So I right. so that, that that's right. Really cool. I had a similar experience with like the D and D third edition monster yeah. manual. I remember when someone put that in my lap, and I was like, "This is like my Bible. Like this is <laughs> this is literally like." It, it was because I'm also like I'm, I went to school for engineering, so I have kind of like a science geared brain somewhat. And so it was like a combination of my favorite creative things, but with tables. And I was like, this is like, I'm like, you're hitting every, every, yeah. you know, cell yep. in my, in my head is like all yep. excited at the yep. same time. Yep. You, you know, know so. instantly when you were talking about, you know, there weren't a whole lot of fantasy things back in the day. It was it was really just D&D popped straight into my head. I'm like, yeah. okay, if it wasn't magic, if you weren't like old enough for magic, then the only other thing was really D&D. Yeah. Or it was right. fantasy books that most likely right. don't have any pictures, so mm-hmm. little kids ain't going to really care about it at that point. Mm-hmm. But the monster right. manual, anything for uh, for third edition and then magic. It was mm-hmm. it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, you, you you just brought up engineering, and I'm glad you did because <laughs> I, I wanted to go there next. So it, about, I mean, I'd say about three, four minutes ago, you, you were touching on always being interested in the in creative, something and something creative, right? Mm-hmm. And so how, how did you go from always wanting to do something creatively, but then go into engineering, and now you're <laughs> back into like the creative industry? Can you talk okay. about like, how, how did that work out for you? Because for me, again, I've, Again, very similar experience. I am an engineer. I, I work as an engineer. So again, right. and the way I think about it is it's complete opposite sides of, of my brain that's being interacted with. So can you just talk about like how that worked for you and your experience there? Yeah, I, I think um, there's really two things. Uh, the, the first is that I was always really good at math and science and I always found them really interesting. Like Mm -hmm. of all the subjects, they were my favorite subjects in school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my dad was a mechanical engineer. So it was one of those things where like, I love 
I still love art and creativity and I, I personally prefer to be using that side of my brain, mm -hmm. but I also just happen to be naturally good at like the math and the meticulous kind of mm -hmm. sciencey stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like had an appetite for it. And mm -hmm. so when it was time to choose, you know, I, I could have really gone either way in terms of like what I went to school for. And I definitely had some kind of like nudging, like gentle, like, well, yeah. this is for like, yeah. you know, if you, yeah. you know, you go this way, you'll get a good, good degree. You'll yep. be able to better job. always leverage it. You know, you'll get a better job. It, it was the safe route really. Mm -hmm. um, and it was one of those things where like, so I did it. I got my, I actually got my master's. So I have my master's in mechanical engineering mm -hmm. Um, I went to work and I started doing it like in, in practice for, uh, about three months. And I was like, I hate it. I, I, hate it. I, I have made a terrible mistake and I need to change, yeah. uh, directions. So, mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was, I think it was, it just had a lot to do with, you know, I was fortunate in that I could make a choice. Mm -hmm. I think I, for my own personality, I think I made the wrong choice, but that's okay. You know, that, that happens. Right. 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 Um, the other thing I did want to bring up though, is that I do disagree with you a little bit in that. I think that in some facets of engineering, uh, you can be very creative. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah. and there are some tricks that I learned, uh, in, in being an engineer, and some approaches that I've learned in terms of like how to think about a problem and how to approach a problem mm -hmm. that I employ pretty much every day, like in both, you know, my nine to five, as well as um, like anytime I'm working on like a, a design, especially Varia, um, there's, there are things that, that like very engineering kind of sciencey mindsets that you can apply mm -hmm. to, to create stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I always kind of appreciate. That. Well, so it's it's interesting because we had uh, we had on Justin Gary on our podcast a few weeks ago. I uh, can't remember right. when, um, but he he has a he has a podcast and book. Think like how to think like a game designer, and he's very much of that mentality of you know anybody can be creative, right? And for me, you know, again, learning to use that side of my brain at at a later part in my life, right? I, it was very right. intimidating. It was very intimidating to me initially because, again, coming from that science engineering background of very technical, technical thought process, there was everything was just very rigid. Like I, the way I thought about yes. stuff was very rigid. But mm -hmm. like you, like you just said, and I very much agree with you because there is a beauty, there is an art to problem solving. Problem solving is a creative process. It very it much, it very much is. But I didn't realize, like I've never, like it just, it clicked. And at some, at some point it clicked from, from the standpoint of just the way I thought about it. And from one thing that I've looked back on and, and realized is I think it, a lot of it to me just comes back to the mentality. You could, you can very easily be doing something creative and just not know it. And so it's right. as long as you flip your mindset um, in the right direction, then that that is like to me, that's the key. That's the key to unlock that. At least it was for me like that was key to me unlocking that creativity that that was here. I just I had to figure right. out what was that key. 
I think that's like, um, so at least when I was in school, you, I would hear a lot that people would say that like part of what you're learning in engineering school was to think like an engineer. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, so people would say that a lot, but they would never explain to you like what that meant, you know? And it took me until I was in my, I was a senior. I did a, I did what was called a three plus two program. So my senior year while everyone else was taking like stupid electives, like painting because they just, they could, right. Um, I was taking master's courses so that Mm -hmm. I could get my master's in five years instead of six. Right. Uh, and, but like, so in that fourth year, it, it kind of, it finally clicked for me that I think thinking like an engineer is that you learn all of the rules you're taught these very rigid structures and math based like fundamentals. And this is physically how everything works. And and you just kind of create this massive pool of knowledge, Mm -hmm. right. And of kind of how things around you work. Mm -hmm. And then they come to you with a problem, right. And they say, okay, here's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. I need you to take that pool of knowledge and come up with a solution, mm-hmm. right? And that's where I feel like you're thinking like an engineer. You've you've created this knowledge base that you can then apply creatively mm-hmm. because you are confident in your knowledge of how things work and mm-hmm. what expectations you should have, mm-hmm. right? And like. It, it just, it takes, you know, those first three years, you're just like doing math and learning this stuff, you know, and like, it, it, it feels like you're a robot, yep. but it's not until you, you know, it's kind of like learning an instrument, like the first three years of learning an instrument, it's all chords and yep. like, okay, this, and, that. and then once you have the language, then you can start creating, mm-hmm. you know, songs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I found it to be similar in, in that respect. Um, so how, how have you applied all that stuff you just talked about to designing a card game like Varia? What it, is there one thing that you've learned uh, specifically throughout your engineering career that you um, have learned to apply that to card design, essentially? Yes. So my answer to you is I'll, I'll give you a uh, somewhat of an engineering problem, right? Okay. So I worked at a nuclear power plant. Uh-huh. Uh, I worked on the... E triple C team, which was the emergency core cooling um, components. I think it was what the last C was. I don't remember. Nuclear is all acronyms. I, I used to know like a thousand, um, but it was the emergency core cooling system, right? Mm-hmm. And what that means is like the core is melting down. We need to immediately flood it with water, right? Mm-hmm. This is like it's an emergency, right? Uh, and so one of the kind of like, and this is creative engineering, right? Um, one of the things that I found to be really interesting was I was like, okay, here's the problem. We have a core, uh, and the core is, you know, b- below ground level. It's in the basement of the facility, right? Cause that's the safest place to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to get water there as fast as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And at first you might think like, okay, well, I'm going to install like a really big pump, right? And it's like, oh, that's fine. Like a pump might move water there really quickly, but what if the pump fails? 
Mm-hmm. What, who's going to check it? We're going to constantly have to run tests on that pump. We're going to mm-hmm. constantly have to make sure that like all those parts are in working order, blah, 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 blah. Right. There's, mm-hmm. there's so many different avenues that you can go down. Right. Mm-hmm. What the emergency core cooling system was, was a giant tank of water at the highest possible elevation that they could get it on site and one monstrous valve. That was it. Yeah. And so like, and the, and the way that they made sure that that valve went off was that it was an explosive valve. Nice. So it blew up Nice. It, because the, the, the creative process there and the simplified engineering process there is I need to get water down yep. as fast as possible mm-hmm. with zero failure. How do I do that? I use gravity yep. because gravity will always exist. Yep. Number one, number two, I blow the valve apart because that way I simultaneously guarantee that that sucker opens. Yep. And I also recognize that in an emergency, I really don't care about having to replace that valve yep. versus having to replace the core and like mm-hmm. a 10 mile radius of, of people. Yep. Right. Yep. So that lesson kind of like really stuck with me. I remember learning that like my first day there. Cause that was my system that I was, that I was responsible for. I was like, it's a valve. That's it. And they're like, yeah, but it's genius. Yeah. Like, like you had to appreciate the simple genius there. And so and I, I appreciate that. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. So, so that stuck with me. And so now anytime I design anything, I always try to ask myself, can this be simpler? Like, am I over engineering what this is? Right. Or can I just put a tank and use gravity. Like, mm-hmm. is there something simpler that yep. I can do mm-hmm. to get the same, you know, to reach the same goal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that's something that I, I, you know, I apply all the time, mm-hmm. whether it's in, you know, Varia design or, you know, day to day. I feel um, like, I feel like if it's one thing that engineers are known for, it's over designing and over engineering stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 100%. I think game designers are the same way. And yeah. especially like there, there's a term, an industry term called feature creep for a reason, right? Because you're constantly, you're being creative and you're constantly thinking like, oh, what if we did this? What if we had this? What if we did this? Like, this would be cool. This would be, this would be neat. And all of a sudden your card looks like a menu. It's got like 50 million things on it. Does it tell a cool story? Yeah, but like you're losing people, right? You could tell just as much of a story with one rules line you know know what i just thought of the card looks like the uh the secret layers for magic the the arts the 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 lands yeah Mm -hmm. it's got just all that's text of all text of of how a land works (laughs) it's literally what i just thought Mm -hmm. of (laughs) so all right well um um, i'm glad i'm glad you started you know uh, bringing in varia with that because one thing I, i really wanted to touch on was like the design of of the game Varia. So, you know, we were talking a little bit before, um, and I was going through these, uh, I think they were like, um, design diaries. Okay. Of, you know, you were talking about the design of Varia and you came up, you came up with the various three laws of design. Um, so I was wondering if you could kind of talk, talk us through your process and how you came to those three, uh, laws of design. So I'm not going to lie. You're going to have to remind me what those are because <laughs> right. I wrote that a while ago. Yep. yep. Um, 
All right. So I very much appreciate that you did your research. Yeah. That's good. It'll it'll come back as yeah. soon as you say yeah. it. It'll so back. so the the first one is the player is the star of the show. The second one yes. is story narrative equals game narrative, and the third one is for every action there is time for a reaction. Yes, beautiful. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So He's so like, this whoever is came um, up with that is a genius. <laughs> yeah. oh, He's like, man, that's he, brilliant. He's like, I just he's like, I know, I just wanted him to read them. <laughs> I uh, no, I honestly forgot because the, these are so like when I when I sat down initially to try to come up with what Varya is, mm-hmm. um, I was having a really strong disconnect with the games I was playing at the time. Um, one of them was magic. Okay. I, so the, the first one, the player is the star of the show, right? One of the reasons why I was having a disconnect for magic was because planeswalkers had just come out uh. and I felt like that card to me completely removed me from the narrative. I felt like, my that. my equivalent is like I think of magic as an RTS, so like a Starcraft yes. or a Command and Conquer. Yeah. Like you are the general and you control all the resources and the people and the yeah. things and what they do. Right, you're the general, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine you're playing Starcraft and then you summon in like another general next to you yeah. who is like yeah working with you kind of, but not. And like they interact with units differently than you do. Just it's, it's kind of like it took me out of the story. It made it feel much more mechanical than it did uh, before. And Mm -hmm. so like, I was just, I was having a disconnect there. Mm -hmm. And so that was where I settled on, you know, and again, I'm an engineer. So whenever I work on something, I like to create constraints. Mm-hmm. I like to create these, like, these are the tenants, right, mm-hmm. that I'm going to work inside of. Um, and so that was the first one. I was like, I really want the player to be the star again because mm-hmm. I just felt like I was too removed from everything. Uh-huh. Can, can um, I interject real quick? For, for those that don't know, um, with Magic, and th- the reason where why, you know, Ant is talking about this is – in magic, you are literally told you are a planeswalker. Mm-hmm. And many people had this exact same disconnect with the introduction of planeswalkers because the thought is, well, if I'm a planeswalker, what are planeswalkers now doing in this game? So I 100% right. understand where that comes from. But for those of you that don't know, that's where that disconnect kind of kind of came from. So Five-star generals like- control four-star generals, guys. <laughs> yeah. They're still high up there. That's true. Okay, just that's higher. true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But my counter to you would be if I said to you destroy target planeswalker. I I also already had that question. Okay, I already. <laughs> I first started playing. I'm like, can I just target him with it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> five star generals and four yep. star generals are yep. both human beings. And if yep. I have something that says destroy target human being, yep. uh, counter spell. Uh, counter spell. I'm immune. I'm immune. But this guy over here, you know, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the, that was really the, the first one. The second one kind of tied into that, like yes. narrative, gameplay narrative equals uh, story narrative. I, I was really into narrative design at the time. And like mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know what narrative design is, it's a methodology of game design mm-hmm. where every decision that you make 
mechanically is somehow connected to the narrative that you're trying to tell. Mm. So like if you put, you know, guns in your game, they exist because they are a part of a narrative. They're not just there. It's kind of the idea, right? right? That like everything that you're doing ties to the story. Another example of that is like um, Assassin's Creed, uh, their tutorial was run like as if you were inside of the animus and Mm -hmm. you were like learning how things work. So like it was simultaneously a tutorial level, but it was done in a way that like didn't remove from the story it actually furthered the story Mm -hmm. so like that's narrative design right and so from the get-go i was like i want to make sure that anything that we are doing sits in that narrative Mm -hmm. design bucket that it's not Mm -hmm. mechanical just to be mechanical like it has to have form and function right right right. Uh, i say that and then the the third one um Oh my gosh, I forget now. What for every there? action, there's a time for a reaction. Yeah. Okay, so that came from, uh, at the time, this is, again, this is all just kind of like the timing of things. There was a magic deck at the time called Eggs. Ooh, I don't know if yeah. anyone is familiar with Zero this drops. It was, it was like, you would just sit there and your opponent would like, Come you know, on. play these things and crack the eggs they were like spell bombs or something and you would like tap them and put them in your discard pile and then play a card and they would all come back and then you would crack them again and it was just like i literally felt like i was at benny hans like i'm just watching you make an omelet like what am i why am i here like and so (laughs) my right and so my brain of like wanting to see the story because that's kind of just how i am right I would try to imagine, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, you and I are planeswalkers. Yeah. We're on an epic battlefield. I just summoned a dragon. Yeah. And now I'm just standing here watching you make an omelet yeah. for, like, an hour. Like, <laughs> why have I not punched you in the face by now? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> this, it drove me It drove me crazy. You know, and now and we so, have food tokens in the game, too. This has been here for a little bit. So. I, I just, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I just, was, I, it drove me nuts. It drove me absolutely insane. And I come from, like, one of the other loves that I have since I was a kid was fighting games like Mortal Kombat, Street mm-hmm. Fighter. Yes. Like, I, yeah. I am obsessed with fighting games. Yeah. And what I always appreciated about those was like, if you messed around even a little bit, I would uppercut you off the screen. Like it just, (laughs) you and I were working with the same amount of time, you know? And so I really wanted to, you'd uppercut them off the bridge and they'd fall in in the spikes. Right. (laughs) I, I sat down to design Varya under the idea that I wanted to make the player, the star that I wanted to make sure that we shared time that like you could crack eggs if you want, but I am going to punch you. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to make sure that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to make sure that there was a solid narrative. Mm-hmm. Those were really, those were like the three key mm-hmm. um, starting points, mm-hmm. right? Like that was, that was like first mark on the canvas. Like mm-hmm. how do I achieve that? Okay. Right. All right. Um, cool. Um, so, the next thing I want to ask is sources of inspiration for Varya. Did you have any games that you pulled from? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, the, yeah. first, the first time I picked up this game, my mind, I looked at it and said, oh, it's flesh and blood. 
That's literally where my mind okay. went. So that's that's an interesting story. Because, so yeah, because first person card game, first mm-hmm. person first person card game, and it's fighting. I'm like, this is this is interesting. I want I want to know more. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I that's actually a horror story. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> to a degree. Okay. So we did, we spent we spent I think like almost seven years designing Varya's core system, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, and so. I uh, had Varya was getting ready to come out. Uh, this was in uh, 2019. We were getting re- we were like just getting ready to like do trailer videos and like really start talking it up and whatnot. And uh, I had a friend at the time who worked for Channel Fireball. Okay. And so he, I was showing him the game, and he was like, "This is really cool." Like. I'm going to try to get this in front of LSV. Like I'm going to show this to, oh, to John Sasso, oh, cool. blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And so he did, he like took the game and he, and he showed it to them and they came back and they said, Hey, this game is cool. Can you explain to us how it's different from this game? Oh, and I was man. like, so they sent me the flesh and blood rules packet, yeah. like the PDF. Yeah. And I read it and I was like, it was like my worst nightmare because we had thought coming into it, that we had a completely unique mm-hmm. product oh, that nothing like it, like oh, all of our marketing no. was written to say like, this is a never before seen game. Like oh, it's man. trading cards as, or like it's cards as you have never played with them before. Like that's how like all of our marketing was positioned. Like we were ready to launch. And honestly, looking back, it was a, it was a godsend because if we would have come out that way, Mm-hmm. And then people would have been like, but well, flesh and blood's right over there. Then we would have looked like absolute. Yeah. Idiots. Yeah. So it was, it was actually a blessing, but mm-hmm. I remember getting that email and just being crushed initially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the first thing I saw was like actions on like a time chain. And yeah. I was like, no yeah. way is this real life? Wow. Like, how is this? Wow. But then the more I read how that game works and and like this is not a knock on that game like um there are different things for different people right right but the more i read about how that game functioned the mm-hmm. better i felt because a lot of the design decisions that they made mm-hmm. were things that we trialed early and didn't like mm-hmm. uh, like a pitch system for resources we had that early on where like we didn't like it our play testers didn't like it they were like i want to play my cards i don't want to throw my cards away and so yeah. we dumped it we didn't use it uh they Recycled were doing this into the t- yeah. <laughs> yeah they were doing this single like i play card you play card i play card you play card and that was where we started and we were, we found that to be kind of like boring uh-huh. We we liked the idea of like no here's my plan it's a puzzle like you need to try to solve this kind of whole scenario mm-hmm. at once like we just felt like showing more things at a time created more opportunities in design and more interesting avenues of gameplay and things like that mm-hmm. um, so I, it like excited me again I was like oh I'm like oh they they made mistakes they did things that we were like, we didn't like at all. You know? And so then I got to the end of the the booklet and I saw the company and I was like, oh, I'm going to look them up. And I looked them up and I was like, these people are a massive, like massive company. They've got like insane backing yep. and name yeah. recognition. I was like, yeah. this is not good. <laughs> like, so then I felt bad again. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, for even from, from that day, like I just like one thing that I always felt good about and I still feel good about is that I'm very confident in our, the way that our game plays. Mm-hmm. I think that we, while there are similarities in terms of like, yes, it's hero centric, right. And mm-hmm. it's actions on like a timeline. I think that the gameplay that we put forward is unique. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think that it does capture a corner of the market in a sense, uh, yeah. in a, in a fun and unique way. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's something that I'm still, I still feel really good about that. I, mm-hmm. I really do think that, that we landed on something special. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why we're still doing it, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I would later. definitely have to agree with you there. With the first time I played Varia, <clears throat> yes, I, I couldn't get flesh and blood out of my head just because that, you know, I knew flesh and blood knew kind of how it worked. Um, and I, everything that I did, I was comparing it to flesh and blood. However, Varia is, is a very different game, very much mm-hmm. its own thing. Very unique. Um, I do think if you've played flesh and blood, I think you would enjoy a game like Varia for sure. Um, but it is still, still a, a, a it very much its own unique experience. Mm-hmm. So very, very much liked it. Um, now we kind of got on, off on a tangent on <laughs> flesh and blood, but I'm glad we did. Um, because no. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> Um, I was, as I'm researching for this, I'm looking at dates. I'm like, okay, when did Flesh and Blood come out? When did Varya come out? There is there some overlap, but it's crazy to me that you didn't know of it at all at the time. That's just a crazy story to me. Absolutely it, it, crazy. It's, it's, it's insane. It, I will tell you from a very personally, it was an insane experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just couldn't believe what I was reading. I, I yeah. was like, like it was, it was, it was insane. It, it, and like, honestly, the, the one, I'll say the one really great thing is that they were able to prove that the market exists mm. for a game like this. And like, I think it's super healthy for there to be more than one option in the same way that like there's magic, there's Yu-Gi-Oh, there's Pokemon, there's like a slew of different varieties of these RTS kind of top down general games, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it's, I think it's good to have options in this hero centric kind of space. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, so it was really cool to, to watch a larger company just like come out guns blazing basically Mm -hmm. and carve out a space in the market that like we had just kind of theorized existed. Right. And so now we know like, oh, we were, we were like, you know, on the right path. Like it definitely exists, you know, people really dig it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now it's more just a matter of like clawing into the market share Mm -hmm. versus like trying to create it. Right. Right. Which is a a whole different animal. Right. Um, Right. Right. So it's not, it's really, it's not a bad, I, and I, like I said, like I, I play flesh and blood. It's a cool game. Like I've got friends who play it. There's people in our discord who love it. Like Mm -hmm. it's, I have nothing against that game at all. Mm -hmm. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's totally Mm -hmm. doing some Mm -hmm. awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that, uh, the, the hard thing is now we have to do work to convince people that we're not a clone. Like we're not just right. Right. Flesh and we're not, it's in the same way that like Pokemon and magic aren't the same game. Right. 
So, so go, going back to the sources of inspiration for for Varia, did you have any uh, games that you really looked to and kind of stole some themes or ideas from when you were um, in the course of designing the game? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the 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 origins of the game stemmed from my wife and I playing War, actually, with just like a deck of fifty two cards. Mm-hmm. So we used to sit on our uh, porch and we would just play War together, and like you know, drink wine or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then eventually we got bored and we started playing war with a hand of three cards instead of just like randomly coming yeah. off the top of the deck. And just that alone like changed things a little bit and it felt more like a like a like a fight, like a battle, like uh-huh. you know, like oh when do I when do I put my queen? You mm-hmm. know, when's the, how long do I hold this ace? Like mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And so that little dynamic i was like man this is kind of interesting like i wonder if i could make this into a game where like you know and and my mind again like i love fantasy so my mind went to like well i'm a wizard and she's a warrior like is there a way i could theme these cards to feel like a wizard fighting a warrior and we're kind of just like making decisions like as we battle through our deck that was kind of the the initial inception of the idea Mm -hmm. um and then as we were building it out and, and certain needs were kind of popping up, right? Um, one of the games that I leaned on was D&D in terms of mechanical inspiration. So we have, uh, beyond the dice, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Like the dice is a pretty big mm-hmm. analog there, but um, the, the concept of like hitting and missing mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, some of the inspirations for some of the actions that you'd be doing that the classes, like, like we took a approach to um, segmenting our cards based off of attributes, right. Instead of classes. So mm-hmm. the attributes that we, that we pulled from were the six core D D attributes pretty much um, with minor tweaks uh, plus an additional one in, in spirit mm-hmm. Um so there, there is a pretty decent uh, inspiration from D&D there. There's also some inspiration from Magic. Like I did pull some of the things that I loved, like the color pie. I think mm-hmm. that Magic's color pie is an, is an absolutely beautiful piece of design. Uh, and I, I really wanted to make sure that this de- the game had deck building in it. Um, and so we have our own kind of color pie basically mm-hmm. that helps us segment mechanics in a way that isn't overly restrictive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you brought up the dice. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> Varia is a card and dice game, ladies and gentlemen, card yes. and dice. So, um, in regards to the dice, wh- why did you decide to ha- add dice to a card game? Number one, great question. those dice have screwed me over <laughs> for the last time. <laughs> so, so where did that idea come from? Why, why, why decide to add dice? And how many people have walked away from Varia the moment they hear the word dice? Oh, so I answer the second one first, um, all the time, <laughs> all the time. And honestly, that's okay. Like I, I really don't mind that. Because of, I've also had people walk away immediately when they see cards. They're like, oh, a card game, I don't like it. And they leave. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. it's all right. I mean, if I walked into a music store 
and someone was like hawking CDs and they were like, it's country. I'd be like, bye. Like I would just leave. Cause I know I don't yeah. like country. <laughs> right. And so like, that's okay to me. Like that actually does a lot of work for me because what I wouldn't want to do is spend 20 minutes on a pitch and then have someone go like, well, I don't like dice. Okay. Like this game isn't for you then. <laughs> like, you know, like, so it's, it's, it's really nice having it like right on the surface. Um, I think that's actually uh -huh. healthy, but, um, mm -hmm. to answer your first question, there's, there's two reasons. One is to, to exactly for what you just said, where you said the dice have screwed me for the last time. Right. So the beautiful thing about <laughs> dice is that they give you an out. So if you're playing the game and you lose, you can always yeah. blame the dice. When you win, Are I guarantee you you're going to say, I played the right cards at the right time. I made all the right decisions. Right? He's not That's wrong. How I hate think. RNG, Dan. <laughs> but so you're saying this you is lose, like a skill versus RNG. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying that the dice provide a nice cushion for our egos. When in the same way that like when you're playing magic, it's easy to say like, oh, if I just drew one more land or like, oh, if I just drew my counters, like it wasn't me. I didn't play wrong. My deck failed me. The <laughs> randomness of my deck mm -hmm. failed me. Right. But when you win, you're more you're you're not usually going to say like, I just drew gas. Like I just drew the right stuff. You're, you're going to say like, I played really well. <laughs> Like that's just how human brains work, right? That's okay. Right. And so like the dice are right. a great scapegoat, right? Go, right? Um, but the other, the more mechanical right. reason why we included them is because um, when we were working on Varia, we, we took the resource system completely out of the game. Like in terms of, or excuse me, out of the deck. So like our deck has no resources in it. So like when you play magic, you know, it's a 60 card deck, but it's really only like 35 cards that you're actually using, right? The rest of it is a resource. Right. And so our decks all of a sudden, like they only need to be 30 cards because everything that you draw is something you're going to play, right? And so just from that alone, all of a sudden we were seeing a lot more of our deck than we would if it was also clogged up with resource cards right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on top of that because of the way varia plays you're playing two to three cards every turn mm -hmm. and so uh we have you draw two cards every turn whether it's you as the first player or your opponent so you were ripping through your deck at like a really fast speed so it was a combination of like i have a 30 card deck i'm drawing two cards every single turn the odds of me seeing every card in my deck uh, hit a hundred percent by the like eighth turn. Mm -hmm. So the deck all of a sudden had like almost no randomness in it at all mm -hmm. compared to like a game of magic or a game of flesh and blood or some other game where you have right. this larger deck full of resources. Right. And so what we found is that games got so sweaty, like so overly technical because you basically just had your whole deck all the time. Yeah. Like by like the fifth or sixth turn. Mm -hmm. And, and so like there was a little bit of a replayability issue there yeah. because you would just like, if you imagine a, a game of magic, like any given card in that deck, like you might play it once per game, 
Uh-huh. Maybe like sometimes you'll have a game, especially in commander where like, you don't see a card for like two or three games. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you natural variety. Like yeah. you can, there's a, there's a longevity to the life of that deck mm-hmm. in Varia. Like I'll see the one-off in my deck every game, like every single game, I'll see the three of cards three times every game. And so it, it just, it becomes incredibly repetitive somewhat. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, by by interjecting the dice, we added we took variance and put it back into the game because like variance had been removed from the deck side of things, mm-hmm. and so we we added variance back in in the form of the dice to give the cards a little bit more of like a repeatability. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why that repeatability was so important to us was because we knew going in that we wanted to have an out of the box format that was approachable to someone who had less than $20 in their pocket. Like Mm -hmm. we really wanted to combat this, like the stigma at the time, which was like, if it was a card game, you had to have at least $500 to like be competitive. Yeah. We absolutely hated that with a passion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mostly because we loved card games and we couldn't convince our friends to play with us because Mm -hmm. they didn't want to fork over the money over the cash. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to play down. Like we didn't want to just play with like crap cards either. Right. So we wanted to create a game where that problem didn't exist. And one of the ways we were going to do that was through this pre-con format that we had the idea for. And uh, we were like, well, the pre-con decks, they can't get boring after three games. Like that can't be a thing, you know? Um, right. And so the dice do a lot of work there mm-hmm. in, in preventing that uh, staleness mm-hmm. to a degree. How much convincing? That was the original. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry say that again i'm saying that was like those were that was the original thought process oh, gotcha um, gotcha since, okay. since then we we've more embraced them as like you know a a way to to add interject casual a little bit of casual fun and remove some sweatiness from the game make it right. more approachable there's other things that dice bring but that was the initial reason why uh why gotcha. we put it in gotcha you know one thing that we talk about a lot um, when it comes to card games is, you know, skill versus RNG, you know, like J- Jim just t- talked about that. Right. <clears throat> and so for us, you know, I-, I feel like typically when, whenever people think about, you know, you, you, you talked, you, you just touched on it, right. J- not drawing through your entire deck. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like for me, when I think, when I think of a card game, you know, we, you think initial variance because of the cards that you're going to draw. And as a competitive player, it's like, we want to limit variance as much as possible because we want to we want to be the best person at the table what's one of the ways you can do that is being control of that rng right so the minute you throw another variable into that mix then it just it's that right it's it's a variable so from a competitive standpoint has there has there been much feedback to say um you know, we don't like adding more RNG to the to a competitive format, for example, or has right. it been pretty positive? Because, again, for me, again, thinking about it competitively, you know, I want to know if I'm the best person at the table. I, I don't want it to be, oh, it was because of the because of the dice, because you just like you just said, if I won, it's because right. I did something right. So how does that work um, like for, from a competitive standpoint or or has or is it a non-issue? It's actually not an issue at all. And the reason it's not an issue at all is because 
Um, and again, again, this is more like kind of human psychology, right? Mm -hmm. we, we will make a game out of anything. Like we yeah, will figure, we will, we are naturally yeah. geared to make a, a like a game out of anything. And more often than not, we will find a way to compete with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so really Varya's competitiveness comes from, can I better uh, allocate my dice than you? Like, that's really what it is. It's like, it's a challenge between two people where we both like, it's not like I have a bunch of dice and you have none. Right. Right. Like right. We both have the same six sided cubes. Right. Right. We like, like we both have the same odds. And so it's more a challenge of like, like, can I take the right risks? Can I plan right. the right cards in the right sequence so that I have a slight edge on you? So that when we do roll our dice, game after game after game, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna continue to come out on top. It becomes a challenge, like anything else, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's it's really just a challenge of knowing that you have a d6 and a d4. Can you prove that you are better at rolling them at the right times, mm -hmm. really, and, and putting your cards in the right places? Because uh, one of the things that Varia lets you do is is they they let you or it lets you take RNG and make it strategic. So like every card pretty much comes with a D4 and a D6, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they also come with modifiers. They come with numbers, yeah. and that's another kind of D and D inspiration, right? Where like mm -hmm. one attack could be three plus a D6, another attack could be ten plus a D6, right? Another attack could be zero, but you get two D6, right? And so each attack has its own flavor. It has its own modifier, right? And so looking at the table, like when your opponent puts down a pair of, you know, three power actions, so a three plus a D6, right? You can look at that and you can say, okay, well, in my hand, I have one card that has five power. So if I put that down, I'm going to have pretty good odds that I'm going to beat out my opponent. Mm -hmm. I have uh, two other cards in my hand. I have one that is my get out of jail card. Like when I play this, like mm -hmm. the rules on the card make it so that the dice actually don't matter. Right. Kind of like a counter spell, right? Mm -hmm. I could just play that and take care of the other three plus a D six. Right. But I also have a card in my hand. That's a two plus a D six. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll just, I'll push my luck a little bit. And I'll put it down here and I'll save that really valuable counterspell for mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. right? But you're making those decisions right. of like where you're putting your dice, where you're putting your modifiers. Like it's all tactical. Mm -hmm. And you're doing so under the assumption that like on average, those are going to be three and a half. The, the dice, right. I mean, right? Right. Like right. on average, it's worth three and a half. Right. So it the dice quickly become something that like you can just average out mm -hmm. in in terms of like how well you're playing how you're playing what constitutes a a good decision versus a bad decision mm -hmm. for you know you you start using them as a tool right um more so than them being this just like random thing that gets in the way right um and I think that's the main difference between like Varia's RNG and like a game where, you know, like Magic, where 
you can just get mana screwed yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it. You could right. shuffle your deck all day and you mm-hmm. could just draw seven lands. Like I, I think back to like the pro tour where LSV was in the finals and he mulliganed to like three. Yeah. Mulligan to three. Right? Which yeah. is like, yeah. which is like a, a game designer's nightmare. Yeah. Like I don't Oof. want that to be the experience, mm-hmm. you know? And so what's really nice about Varia is that your deck really isn't that random. Like, you're going to see all of your cards by, like, turn six, turn five, right? The randomness is in the dice, and they're guaranteed to always be the same, and you can control it. Like, mm-hmm. you can make it work for you. And so, like, I've I've had games, plenty of games of Varia, where it feels like I'm way more in control mm-hmm. than, like, a game of Magic, where I just feel like this game just beat me, like, straight up. I right. drew seven lands, and then right. I drew the one creeper that didn't match any of those lands. Right. It's right. like... You know, it's it's very different, right? I I want to I want to ask the person who has been playing card games his entire life what he f- initially thought about um, adding dice to a card game, and after playing it, we've played it a few times, mm-hmm. um, and kind of what your thought process is now, because I know I. I want I kind of just want Jim to tell you what his initial thought was and then kind of where he's at now because I'm kind of interested after playing a couple games kind of mm-hmm. just what what he thought about it. So, go ahead, Jim. So, the first time we played it, I decided to play as the brute character. I forget his name yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, Volcanic warrior. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, "You know what? I know we're both noobs at this game <laughs> and I had a theory. I'm like, okay, if I could just play the character that is more simple and just play big, dumb stuff, I'm going to win. <laughs> like, I'm just, it's my theory. And the first game I won, right? So I was just like, all right, perfect. And uh, the second the second one we played, Dan was uh, a little bit more in control of the pace of that game. Yeah, yeah. And playing, he was getting used to the mechanics yeah. of... Uh, the assassin, right. the I don't shadow know. assassin, the, I think. Shadow assassin. I think the shadow assassin, and uh, and so after I was watching him play, I was just like, you know what, having him play a bunch of cards layered on top, rolling these dice, giving him now even better odds uh-huh. of being able to get over my defense yep. or through past my attacks, and I was just like, you know these these dice, throwing in that little bit of RNG makes it actually a lot of fun yeah because it's just like what am i going to get am i going to get it and especially when there's a time like you were saying you play the two the two defense with with a d6 versus a three and a d6 it's like okay can i lose always assume the worst for yourself (laughs) right right, it's like all right he's gonna roll a six he's gonna deal nine damage i'm just going to prevent three of it can i eat six damage here Mm-hmm. And if right. it's and if the the off chance you take no damage, super yeah. happy. Yeah, and you feel so smart. It's like yeah. when you, oh, dude, when you feel you, die, you feel so when you good. You do it. You just you have this. You just are like, you know, it's like you get this feeling of like, yeah, yeah like I knew it. I knew that was gonna happen. You yeah. know, the feeling um, that you get from rolling it and just like either coming out on top or just knowing you did better than you were expecting. Yeah, it's it's. Right. It's a great feeling. Yeah. 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 And it's funny you said that about the, 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 the fun, right. And like, that was another main reason why we, we like latched on the dice so hard is that like, they're fun. Like Mm -hmm. there's something about them that is fun. And like, this is true in like, my favorite example is like, if you go to a casino, Mm -hmm. right. So when I was a kid, 
I'm not a not a kid. I was allowed to go to a casino. I'm he was a kid gambling, guys. Yeah. So holy cow! I, I consider myself like when I was 21, like I was still a kid, right? Yeah. Now I'm a yeah. I'm a 35 year old dad. But yeah. um, when I was younger, let's say, right? Uh, my dad used to take me to the casino with him because mm. he was really into like poker and blackjack and and stuff like that, right? So I would go with him and my uncle, who's his brother. So the three of us would go. They would sit down, they would play blackjack. They were very serious. And I would just kind of stand away from the table. I wasn't even allowed to be near the table, right? I would kind of stand over and away and kind of watch them, you know, drink free beer or whatever. And inevitably at the end of the night, they would go to the craps table. So whether they were playing blackjack or pie gal or poker, whatever the serious game was, the mm-hmm. sweaty game, at the end of the night, they would go play craps, right? And that's where they would wind down and they would have a good time. If you ever go to a casino, you go to the craps table. Mm-hmm. It's always a party. Mm-hmm. Everyone's standing around the table. You don't even really have to be playing. Everyone's hooting, hollering, yeah. high-fiving. They're all <laughs> having the best time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And yeah. I asked him that. I was like, why do you guys come over here? And he was like, it's just it's just fun. It's just more fun. And uh, he's like, I, just something about it makes me feel like I can let loose. And I was like, why? He was like, I don't know, dice are so random. And I was like, Dad, I'm like, you were just playing a game with a 52-card deck minimum, like minimum 52. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 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 casino decks are like way bigger than that, right? I think They're like, like seven six decks, decks or something. Yeah. I'm like, craps is 2D6. Mm-hmm. There's only so many combinations yeah. possibilities. And like if you're just betting the, you know, if you're just betting six and eight, like your odds are always 40 something percent. Like I, I, I like, I, I could not wrap my brain around that. I was like, this is way easier. <laughs> like in terms, of, in terms of odds. Yeah. Right. You know? In terms of probabilities. And, and yeah. I, and it wasn't until I said that, that it clicked for me. I was like, it's easier. It's, it's actually easier because it's right there. It's six numbers on a cube. Yeah. A, a deck of 52 cards, it's hard for people to wrap their brain around it. Mm-hmm. There's so many variables in there, right? Mm-hmm. That like it, it, you kind of get lost and then yeah. they're like, oh, you got to count cards and blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But with dice, it's so surface level that people can track it. Like your average right. person can track it. And because it's so easy and surface level, they are able to let their guard down mm-hmm. and have more fun. Because they're not trying to count 52 different things. Right. They're just like, no, that thing has six sides. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, And it, it's like something about that enables people to just kind of like let their guard down a little bit and embrace the fun a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of like a better thing to inject into a game mm-hmm. than that. Like, so, so why not 2D6s then? instead of 1d6 ah, and 1d4 why do you why'd you decide reason that? for that is because we wanted you to be able to roll them at the same time and not get confused ah uh, okay that different makes sense. colors that makes sense ah <laughs> uh, people are colorblind oh uh, yeah that's true too that's true too that, different symbols well, but hang, well hang on hang on that that is a very elegant yeah. and engineer like that's, that's gravity yeah, mm-hmm. really. That's 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 a simple solution. And that was Sean's. That was Sean's suggestion. 
Huh. Originally, we had we did have two uh, d six, and he suggested he was like, "Let's just use a different shaped die," and I was huh. like, "Dude, genius!" Yeah. I mean, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "That's you know, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. That's yeah. that's let's use gravity." Huh. You know, yeah. and then um, and believe it or not, we used to spell it out on the card. And then another buddy of mine was like, just put the number inside of a square and a triangle. And I was like, <laughs> geez, like, it's like, well, you yeah. know, yeah. use the, the facade of the object yeah. that I literally just explained to you. Like yeah. everyone knows what a cube is, yeah. but like, you know, it's hard in the time. Like when you're work, when you're in the muck yeah. of trying to build something. It's really hard to yeah. see. Oh yeah, you know the forest for the trees. I yep. think that's the terminology, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, yep. any time that you can bring an outsider who knows literally nothing, bring them in. Mm-hmm. Don't even explain to them the game yet. Just explain to them the problems you're having. Yeah, you know, like, well, I keep having to type out this and that, and they're just like, dude, triangle and a square, and you're like, oh. My God, yeah. Mike, you know, <laughs> yeah. I could kiss you. you know, so Mike Burns, if you happen to be listening to this, Mike Burns is a magic artist. Uh, I played Vari with him. I hadn't even played it with him yet. I explained it to him, and he was the one who said that. He was like, just use a triangle square. <laughs> that's that's and, awesome. And I was like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You solved all the problems. But, uh, so cool. but yeah, that's the main reason, is cool. we wanted you to be able to roll at the same time and not, and not get confused. Cool. The reason we did a D4 for accuracy or for focus, right, which is like whether or not you can hit or miss, right, right. is because – um, the original inspiration for that mechanic was armor class in D and D. And so you roll a D 20 and you try to determine if you hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Right. And the average armor class is a 10 usually. Mm-hmm. So like gotcha. right in the middle of the die. Right. Gotcha. And so interestingly enough, um, if you, so I didn't want the opponent to not be rolling dice. I wanted us both to kind of like be rolling dice simultaneously right and so interestingly enough when two players are rolling clashing d4s at base value you get a similar permanent uh, a similar spread to an armor class of 10 and rolling a d20 uh, so it, 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 it like ends up sitting in like a very similar spread like possibility spread. yeah yeah gotcha uh, okay so that was why we use d4s cool cool um so I wanted to ask about constructed formats. Was because you know we we for the length of this so far we've you've talked about the essentially the precon decks. Okay, was the game kind of designed with those precon that precon philosophy in mind? Because I know I, I think it was like just recently um, you you guys introduced some constructed type formats. Um, but was was there constructed? Uh, formats or playability in the thought process from uh, the original design or kind of how did you guys go about uh, that design process? Yes. So if we, if we only were designing for, if we weren't designing for constructed, the attributes wouldn't exist at all Mm. because then, you know, we would just say like our game is a pre-con game. Gotcha. You play out of the box. There, There would be no need for those symbols at all. Gotcha. Um, those symbols exist wholly for, constructed purposes gotcha Uh, so it was it was very much something that we wanted to do from day one um we have a kind of like a grander vision for what varia could be okay um and that's also existed from day one and so some of the decisions that we made in the beginning in in creating the system that varia is 
um, was done so knowing where we wanted to go. Um, right. So without giving too much away, my uh, analog is that um, like when you play D&D, you have the player's handbook and then you have the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Monster Manual, right? Mm-hmm. And the player's handbook teaches you like how to fight and how to build a character. And the Dungeon Master's Guide teaches you like how to build a dungeon, how to run campaign, and then the Monster Manual helps populate the world that you make, right? Right. Varia right now is if only the player handbook existed. Okay. We gave you tools to build a character. We taught you how to fight stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So what are you left with? Well, you just have to fight each other. Right. Right now. (laughs) Right. But we have always known and thought about wanting to be able to have more than that, wanting to be able to say like you and your friend fight something else or adventure together or, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. And so um, that has always been in the back of our minds from day one. And like a lot of the decisions we've made um, are factoring that in as well. So, so uh, PVE confirmed, PVE confirmed. (laughs) I, I will say that it is, it is something that is, on the top of our mind constantly. (laughs) Um, And it is something that we are actively working on. Cool. Awesome. Um, And just to kind of, to not be so nebulous in terms of like, what, what do I mean? (laughs) Right. Like, what do you mean? Um, So like for deck constructed, right. We use attributes on our cards. Right. And if you look at the bottom right corner of a Varia card, you can have anywhere from zero to seven, symbols and those symbols designate like the attribute requirement of the card. So like when you're deck building, right? Let's say you were building at, we refer to it as level, let's just say level seven, mm-hmm. right? Um, what that means is that um, the, the cards in your deck, the attributes on those cards, when you are um, adding them up, you have to be level seven or less. So a card that, for example, has, let's say, three faith symbols on it. Yeah, one of our attributes is faith. Let's say it has three on it. Mm-hmm. That card is a level three card. You must be building at at least level three to just be able to put it in your deck at all. Okay. Right? Once you do, your deck is considered level three faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you took another card that had uh, four spirit symbols on it, mm-hmm. right? Put that into your deck. Now your deck is level seven. It is four levels of spirit and three levels of faith. So uh-huh. your deck is now level seven. Mm-hmm. From that point forward, you can add any other card to your deck that has four or less spirit. Any other card that has three or less faith, mm-hmm. it will not change the level of your deck, right? But what you can't do is add, say, a card that has an intellect symbol on it. Because Mm -hmm. the second you do that, even if it only has one intellect symbol, the second you do that, your deck is now level eight. And I've gone above the constraint. We we agreed we're going to build at level seven, right? Um, That is a slightly complex way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, where it's one level at a time. If I was not thinking about a potential um, PVE 
scenario, mm-hmm. then uh, we could have simplified that to just be like one, two, or three, and then say that when you're deck building, you had to either be all the same or two and one or three of a color. You know what right. I mean? Like we could have like really right. simplified it similar right. to how like Hearthstone just handled death knights, mm-hmm. right? Gotcha. It's like three, two, or one. And it's right. very simple and right. elegant. I love it. <laughs> the reason, so that it's, it's funny. And when that came out, I was like, oh, that's our system. We've been doing that for years now, right? It was cool to see it. Uh-huh. Um, practice. But the reason we did up to seven and beyond is because we want you to be able to start at level one with a level one character mm-hmm. and play through an adventure and then say, okay, we're going to level up. Now we're level one. Now we're level two. Now we're level three. Now we're level four. Now we're level five. Like we had that image in our head. Mm-hmm. We wanted you to be able to have a campaign with Varia and go from level zero to level 10. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we could facilitate that was by breaking out the attributes more um, into smaller chunks mm-hmm. than just one, two, three, right? Mm-hmm. So these that, that's really what I mean when I say that we did, we made some additional considerations because we have had PvP, or excuse me, PvE on our mm-hmm. minds mm-hmm. Uh, since the inception. If we didn't, we would have just done what Hearthstone did, three, yeah. two, one. Right. That's the right. way you do it. You don't care about right. having a leveling system. Right. 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 So, um, one, I wanted to touch on real quick the the essentially the the card game the model okay the model of the game so so Varia is you know like we talked about I think we we talked about this a little bit before the call I think but Varia is a, an expandable card game um, I, I know Ant you you had talked about it's a, it's it's an XCG um, you know we've talked on the channel before about ECG's expandable card games and that type of model. Um, so essentially guys, what that means is when you buy the box, when you buy a, a box, you, you have all the cards that you need to, to hit the ground running and to play a game, right? Um, was there, and I know you've talked about a little bit, um, but was there a specific reason you went with that model as opposed to a TCG or CCG model with booster boxes and booster packs? Because I mean, again, I feel like you talk to a lot of people in this space and you just mentioned card game. They, their mind immediately goes to booster packs and that TCG model. Um, was that main reason like accessibility, like you talked about, or were there other decisions kind of behind that, uh, excuse me, other choices behind that decision? Yeah, there's, there's actually multiple. So the first one, the first and most paramount one was accessibility. Uh, so Sean and I are huge card game players. Like we, we love playing card games. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main problems we always had was like getting more people to play the game with us. Yeah. Um, like we had a lot of friends who were gamers and they just, they wouldn't touch magic. They wouldn't touch Yu-Gi-Oh! They wouldn't touch Pokemon. Like, because the accessibility issue of like, they didn't want to buy in right. knowing that even if they dropped 30, 40 bucks, they were still leagues behind where we right. were. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that paywall was a big deal for them. And right. so we wanted to uh, make sure that that wasn't an issue with our game. We wanted to make a game that our friends would play with us, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And we also wanted to make sure that other play groups didn't have to deal with what we were dealing with. Um, so that was one main driver. Mm-hmm. Um, another important facet of that, though, is that 
um, we're an indie company. And trading card games, by their very nature, they demand a constant influx of product. Like, you cannot have a trading card game and put out one expansion a year. Yeah. Like, you you just, you really can't do it. Like, your game will die. Um, yeah. and not because it's not a good game, but because that's the model. Like yep. you need to have a funnel and a constant just churning of product in order to keep it alive. And that is a very daunting task for two, basically two guys in their garage, right? Like right. you right. need a huge amount of financial backing in order to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise or you have to get really creative, right? Yeah. Um, and the game that we wanted to make, we knew it was going to be art intensive and we just, there was no way we could do it. Like we mm-hmm. weren't going to be able to do it to the level that we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was the, se- the second major factor. And the third major factor was um, when you introduce a monetization method like that. And that's what a trading card game is. It's yep. a mo- it's a monetization choice, right? Um, it's that a money is, machine, right? <laughs> it's well, but it's it's going to inform your design. Yeah. Like you will you will make design decisions based yeah. on the fact that you know that this is my monetization strategy. Yeah. Like I need chase cards. I yeah, need super powered mythics. I need common chaff that you know is gonna be able to uh create a nice huh. um parallel what's the word um juxtaposition with my mythic like yeah. you need that you you need to basically create yeah. a differential so that it exists mm-hmm. for the mo- purposes of monetization like mm-hmm. and when you don't have that like when your game is like, no, you just buy it and you get the things. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, like every single card in your game can be equal power level. Mm. Like there, the, the idea of common versus rare isn't a thing. Like it's more just like punch versus kick. Yeah. You know, and it's freeing in a way. Like you're, you're free to just design in my opinion, a, a better experience hmm. because you're not worrying about like, well, how am I going to monetize this? It's like, well, I just put the price on the box. I never thought it's about water. that way. It's, it's just, it goes down, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's really, that's another, that was another like major reason why we, we went with, you know, what, what we did was because we, we didn't want to be, we didn't want to be constrained in that way, you know. Mm. Had you, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah, that's a that that's another one of those uh, you know problem solving things. <laughs> you know, way different way to think about the problem at hand. And it's I never framed it in that. I've never pictured it framed it in that way at all. Mm. Um, oh, that's that's very very interesting. Now, do you think like do you guys worry? at all that this type of model will affect or prohibit the growth of the game at all? Or is that, is that a non-issue? You don't even really think that's, that'll become an issue. 
Um, well, so a game like this comes with its own demands, right? Um, yeah. We could have gone two ways, right? We could have just sold it as a board game, basically, mm-hmm. and just said, these are the, the classes that we want to exist in the main game. Here's an expansion or two. And that's really it, you know, uh-huh. and like this is the Varia ecosystem and we could have just stopped there. If your goal is that you want to continue to grow the game and you want to create a and, and continue to excite a community, mm-hmm. um, then really uh, you, you can't escape the funnel um, to some aspect. Like we do need to continue to put things out right. to keep people interested, mm-hmm. right? Um but what we can put out is much smaller in ter- and, and will still um, achieve the same goal. So something that you alluded to before was like what we've been doing with like our constructed formats, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, put out our first constructed only product. Um, I think I have one actually. Uh, yeah, right here. Um, oh, product placement. Uh, so... <laughs> One of the interesting things was uh, we wanted to expand on the game, but we didn't want to develop an entire new class, right? We are like, how do we offer something to players that is constructed only? It's only going to be available in like a constructed format. And so in thinking about, you know, the fact that we're an expandable card game, we don't have the same needs, like I was speaking to earlier, that, uh, you know, a trading card game has... Mm-hmm. I had this interesting thought experiment. I was like, what is the smallest possible expansion that we could do? Mm. And what we came up with was one pack. So like, this is it. This is the entire expansion. (laughs) It's one booster. It's always the same 15 parts every single time. And so what we decided on was let's do something that everybody needs. Equipment. Ah, uh, and so it's just 15 different pieces of, that's why we called it arms and armor. It's 15 different pieces of arms and armor. And so it, it offers you a variety of different things. Like if you've been playing out of the box for a really long time, like let's say you guys have been playing Volcanic Warrior versus Shadow Assassin a few times, you're, you're really getting the hang of it. You want to mix things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't want to go crazy, just a little bit. Take your items away and pull out 30 gold worth of items from this pack and then play the exact same class. I guarantee you'll have a different experience Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden your warrior that used to have an ax and a hammer, now he has a bow and arrow. It's like, (laughs) I need to approach, I need to approach this a bit differently. Right. Or that assassin that used to have the cloak and dagger. Now he has a meteor morning star. It's like, all right, well, how do I, how do I use this in a sneaky way? You know, like it, it just like that is enough to change things up, right? So it it gave a little bit. It gave players who were really into out of the box, mm-hmm. um, and really into uh, sealed, basically mm-hmm. uh, a a way to dip their toe a little bit into constructed, right? It's mm-hmm. not super scary, um, but also the people who are super into constructed and building their own things. Um, we could just give them a bunch of new toys to play with because your item uh, loadout is super important 
like as, as is important as it is in like a game like flesh and blood, right. Where it really kind of helps you dictate like what your deck does, mm-hmm. um, or as important as picking your commander, right. Mm-hmm. That will inform what you put in your deck uh-huh. in Varia, what items you have equipped very much speak to, uh, you know, what your deck does or doesn't do. Mm-hmm. So just, just the simple act of changing them up can, can really open up different strategies, different considerations, different builds, uh, different lines of play. Uh, and so that was kind of, that was how we met the challenge of like, let's mm. make the smallest expansion ever. That's really cool. So, so with this pack, right, you said there's 15 cards in it. So let's say I bought, I, I know you said it's all the same card, but maybe there's a chase foil in every single pack. One different card is foil. Huh? <laughs> it's not like that, is it? So we, I have gotten that <laughs> suggestion before, uh, in, in different <laughs> ways, right? Uh-huh. I'm on the fence with those, like, people. Would love so, it. like, I do run a business, <laughs> right? Like, I do, at the end of the day, I need to make money so that Varia right. can continue to exist, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so, like, part of me, like... Wait, these games have to be profitable for them what? to continue? Yeah, what? I know. Who would have thought that? <laughs> it's... It, you know how many times and, and I've had is, to tell people that though? I've had to tell people that so many times. It's like they the things that they want, it's like, dude, they, they have to make money. Like if you yeah, want right. it to be successful in the long term, because the goal is long-term success, right? You want you want the game to keep growing. They gotta be profitable. They gotta mm-hmm. make money. So thank right. you for saying that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's no problem. I, I do I, I wrestle with that a lot. Cause like I know that there are collectors and players who like they would enjoy that and and they would buy you know way more product than they need mm-hmm. to play the game you know mm-hmm. because they want that extra bling mm-hmm. um and i do feel like we are kind of like denying people that want right now mm-hmm. um and uh i don't know I, I also know that there are some some people who just like even the existence of that makes them feel left out Mm-hmm. or less than yeah. because they, they know that they can't afford to do those things. Yeah. And even if like you're playing with the same pieces, it's kind of like if, if we sat down to play chess and my pieces were plastic and yours were 14 karat gold, like I would just, it would put me in a mental state where I would feel like maybe I'm not as good at this game as I thought I was, or like maybe I don't take it Shininess as seriously. This doesn't make you better, guys. It doesn't make it, you it better. It doesn't, but it also like I would think because coming from somebody who like right, like and growing up, like you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. So you know, when I would go play baseball, for example, and I had you know the off-the-shelf bat from you know Dick Sporting Goods. And some other kid had like the brand new T fifty two bat with like the aluminum and the the, the nitrous tank inside or whatever they used to do. In the <laughs> they had these crazy bats. Yeah, kid, yeah, right, right, right. But, right. You know, part of you would think like, you know, and I just had like the solid metal one, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, even if like going into that game, I had all the confidence of the world in that, like, no, I'm just a really good hitter. Like I, I could hit, you know, I could give me a broomstick. I'll be good. You know, right, right. like you go in with that confidence, but then you see this other person with just like the stuff. 
you know, mm-hmm. and it right. does deflate you a little bit. Like right. it's right. hard to not let it deflate right. you. And so yeah. the same part of me that like feels bad that we're denying people who I know would love to support us further and they don't really have a good way to do that. And mm-hmm. they do love the game and they really want to like make it special for them. And we don't really have a great way of doing that. The part of me that wants to create something like a product for them also wants to prevent the other side of that coin from happening of like people right. just feeling like ostracized Left just out. because they don't just because right. they don't have money. Like right. I don't like I personal I have a very personal uh thing against doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mm-hmm. like to ever put someone in that position because mm-hmm. I've been in that position mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel good. So yeah. um, so maybe not just like the base expansion, right? So maybe the original pack you could have all just the standard, but I don't know, maybe like a random name off the top of my head, like a collector booster or something like that. Just right. randomly thrown out there. Uh, it could have all 15, maybe even, who knows, maybe even uh, different artworks. I don't know. Yeah, This has never Me been too. done before, Dan. And, and not never. in any card game ever. Never been done. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm actually say, just getting an we... email from LSV. Magic does this. <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we think about it a lot. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, we've okay. definitely, we've thought about many different ways of, of kind of trying to tackle that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that at, 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 at the end of the day, and I think, and I think there's not a person in the world who would be grudge or think less of a, a company who has, uh, principles and who has a strict or a certain design philosophy and every choice they make is going to inform that philosophy. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to get more people that respect you more when you stick to that core ideology, that core mm-hmm. philosophy. And that's, and that's exactly what it sounds like you, you all have um, with your company. And I think that, and I think that's awesome. You I could always bring it into different avenues of them being able to support you. You can make sure. accessories, for it yeah you know yeah, yeah. deck boxes yeah. sleeves you know just yeah. even right. even if you're teaming up with uh say any other company that's already producing it but then you just throw on your logos throw on whatever, whatever artwork right right know? right there's yeah. other ways to do it rather than just being like oh i'm giving you guys foil cards yeah. if you want yeah there's, yeah, there's, yeah, right. yeah, no, there's other ways sure. to do it than the yeah. than the norm right yeah. than, the, than the norm and the expected way to do it in this in this space mm-hmm. right yeah so yeah. Yeah, um, we want to and that's the trick. Like we want to just try to figure out a way to do it that doesn't feel alienating and right. and like and like kind of like equal opportunity kind of thing. Like one of our um one of our community members actually had a really cool idea where um it was similar to, to your idea with like the booster packs, right? Where it was this like it was like a booster pack of like five random Varia cards that already exist. Mm-hmm. But they're just, they're all foil, right? They're just like full foil or like full art or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea was that the packs are, are randomized rewards and you sell the packs to stores. So like mm-hmm. to the LGSs, right? Not to the right. player. Sell them to the LGSs right. only. Yes. Tell the LGSs like, these are not for resale. These are, you buy these for me. And then you run $5 Varia tournaments, right? like $5 in Varia tournaments, and you give these out as your prize support. Yep. And so like you might buy a box of these boosters from me, the manufacturer, for like 50 bucks, 
you'll make 200 if you run enough events. Right. Like there's enough in the box for you to make your money back basically. And then right. some, right? Right. And then as a player, the way that you get your bling is by playing the game. You come right. in, mm-hmm. play the game. Maybe everyone who plays, they get a, a participation pack. You earn it. And then yeah. the higher tier, they get more, right? right. And so right. then that way, when you do sit down across like from, you know, yeah. in that chess scenario, mm-hmm. you come in with your plastic pieces because I just bought the game off the shelf, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. My opponents is all blinged out. And I go, oh, oh. man. This guy's good. <laughs> yeah. What you could say is, like, how did you get those? And what you're yeah. expecting is, oh, I'm rich. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what they'll say is, I play every week. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh. And then it becomes this thing where it's like, oh, it's not about. That. I can do that. It's not about what's in my pocket. Like, right. it's yeah. not about. Right. I just spent my last $20 just to get this deck. Right. Right. It's, it's about like, oh, yeah, I have I have time. Like, everybody has time. Right. You know, like, and we all have an equal amount of it, depending on your health, right? But the idea right. is that, like, no matter how rich you are, you're not going to make it past 90, right. probably. You know, right. like, we're all kind of in the same boat in that mm-hmm. respect. So right. Right. making it so that the way that you buy your bling right. is through your time and effort, right. I think, is a really interesting idea we've been really trying to figure out if that's feasible yeah um it it takes a lot more effort on our part it takes a lot more effort on the lgs's part it takes a lot more trust um Mm -hmm. on the lgs's part right right right. that it does for me to just like make a booster foil product and like throw it up on our store you know like that's the easy path right and i think um one thing kind of speaking to what you're saying before and like the ethics of Guildhouse Games, like our company, mm-hmm. one thing that we're committed to is not just taking the easy path just to turn a buck. That's right. never been our goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never make decisions that way ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we're not doing it now, like in right. terms of player rewards. We know there's a need. We know that there's a gap mm-hmm. there. Uh, but we were trying to do it in a way that makes sense to yeah. us and like our ethics and is also fair to as many people as possible. It's funny when he just started talking about that, I get a notification on my uh, watch mm-hmm. that says Marvel snap new daily challenge available. Take that for what you will guys take the, <laughs> take that for what you will. <laughs> if you're, if you're in, you, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right. Um, one one last thing I want to get into before we talk about our, our favorite segment here. Um, we talked about um, you talked about upcoming content, right? Some spoilers, maybe. Um, but we were we're coming up on this new class that's being released pretty soon. I I, I don't can't remember the exact date. I did pre order it yep. today. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if you can. I talk- knew that was true. I saw your name. I was like that. I'm like ninety percent sure. <laughs> I bought one for me and one for you, Jim. Okay, oh, awesome. <laughs> Scammed. Yeah. yeah, the mecha trap, the mecha trap artificer. All right, That's and then the and one. then can you can you talk about that? And then are there because I see some coming soon stuff on on the website. Can you can you talk at all about anything else uh, past the artificer? Yes. Okay. So our our class is in pre order right now. It's the mecha trap artificer. Um, so. Our old method of doing things was we released 
Uh, so we had a, what we call like season one, where we released seven classes all at once, one in each attribute, because our game has seven attributes. It's aggression, tenacity, faith, spirit, intellect, charisma, and subtlety. That's kind of like our where all of our stuff sits. Mm-hmm. So we had one class in each attribute, uh, and then we released a eighth class, like kind of just standalone on its own. That was the Dragon Knight. And that class was a dual attribute. It was aggression and tenacity mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um, then we did season two. We released seven all again at once, one in each attribute. Um, and then again, we're following it up with this single class that is a mix of two attributes. This time it's intellect and subtlety. Um, and so that's kind of what uh, this class is, is it's kind of the capstone Mm. Uh, so I, as I've said now a few times, I'm a huge fan of D and D and like tabletop RPGs. Um, I love to play the rogue and I will play the rogue every chance I get. And I have played every variation of rogue I can possibly come up with. I've been a thief rogue. Some arcane trickster. Or um, one rogue that I played one time was I just focused solely on traps. I laid traps. I collected traps. The way I fought was with traps. Like everything I did just involved traps. Uh, and in doing so, I had took some levels of artificer, like in, in playing this D and D game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. in essence, a rogue who specializes in the construction of traps the way that our our Varia version does it is that she has built a literal trap room around herself in the form of a mech that she drives around. And so this thing is... <laughs> I want you to feel like is just imagine um, if you were if you took a trapped room from any RPG and you were able to pilot it and just like drive it around and like (laughs) cause it to punch people, that's what it feels like to be this class. Um, If you're playing against it to put some fear in you, imagine if. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So, yeah, that's that's in pre-order right now. Um, we haven't announced the official like when we're shipping them to everyone okay. yet, only because uh, it's been sitting in uh, like in a, it's at a dock, sitting there waiting to get through customs. Uh, uh-huh. One of the joys of being an indie company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> so we get cut a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Okay. But yeah, as soon as, as soon as we get the go ahead, like as soon as basically we, we wait until we hear them say it's on a truck headed towards, uh, Pennsylvania. And, and okay. at that point that we do some quick math and we say like, okay, we're going to ship, you know, gotcha. end of April. Gotcha. 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 So, do you have any uh, any news or tidbits on um, any classes or anything coming next after? after yes. That? Okay. So the main reason why I did that whole kind of spiel about our re- the way we were doing our releases uh-huh. is that one of the things that we've learned, um, kind of going back to what I was speaking to before, the funnel of stuff. Yeah. Right. What we learned is that it, it was it was it's not good to release everything all at once yeah, and then nothing for a year yeah, and then something small and then nothing for a year and then everything all at once, you know, like it's too staccato and like we lose people. Right. So really what we should have done is release like two at a time Mm -hmm. every three months. Yeah. And if we would have done two at a time every three to six months, we would have ended up with exactly the same amount of classes that we have right now. Yeah like since 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would have maintained like a steady cadence. Right. And so what we are moving towards with our next release is that rather than releasing a boatload all at once, we're going to release them in pairs. So we're similar to kind of like how we have our, um, like our starter kit mm-hmm. structured where it's two classes that are a cool matchup, like in one box. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, pivot to um releasing them in a in paired sets of like here's two new classes okay. that are interesting um in one box so i like that that's i like that that's mm-hmm. already like <clears throat> production um so that's why if you go on our website there's two coming soon that mm-hmm. are sitting there it's yeah because those will get announced there's two classes they'll get announced at the same time mm-hmm. they're in a dual set um and uh and so that'll come out. And then what you could then expect moving forward is that after a much shorter amount of time, <laughs> you'll see another two and then another two and okay. another two. All right. um, and then we'll supplement that in between with, you know, these, these kind of things. Cause like this was actually super popular and people really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll definitely do that again. Cool. Cool. Uh, when, so. when, uh, is there a, is there a timetable on when we can ex- can't expect the announcement for those two classes? Any idea on that? Um, so Soon. right, <laughs> right now, right now the plan is to announce them before the end of the year. Okay. Um, we, uh, this is, this is now I'm talking indie stuff. Uh, we also, have to contend with manufacturers yeah. and their lines like there's being yeah. indie is its own animal and yeah. so we try really hard to not announce things until we have a pretty firm yeah. sure like idea sure. that stuff is going to happen sure um so our tentative like goal that we feel like is very feasible is the end of this year we would announce it um, there's a chance that'll move up if, you know, we get lucky or if, right. you know, our manufacturers are nice to us. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. But, but yeah, the, the goal right now is by the end of the year, we'll, we'll have announced that. Okay. Um, cool. 
Well, um, I, I can tell you I'll, I'll be looking forward to that because mm-hmm. um, through, throughout the course of this entire conversation, I'm just re- I am remembering back to when we played this <laughs> game, and I'm like, man, that was a lot of fun, and I got to get back into this. This, mm-hmm. this game is a lot of fun, guys. So um, um, I, I, I know we'll get, we're going to be saying this quite often, but, guys, if you haven't picked it up, do yourself a favor, at least pick up that two-player starter kit and at least check the game out. So, um, all right, well, with that, we're going we're gonna to talk about our favorite our favorite segment, uh, our favorite yes. segment, and that is the card of the week. So, uh, like every time we talk to a guest, we like to ask our guest to choose choose our card of the week for us. And uh, Ant was kind enough to choose this week's card of the week for us. So, uh, Ant... Take it away. So the card that I have selected is, of course, a Varia card. uh, And that card is Decapitate. So Decapitate is a card that uh, shows up in the Volcanic Warrior class. Uh, It's a class that's actually in that that starter kit um, that uh, Dan was mentioning. Um, But what this card is, is uh, it is a giant, massive attack that when you roll your dice, um, if you roll the maximum value for your focus, which is what determines your accuracy for an attack, um, mm-hmm. so to use like lame in terms if you crit, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, then the power of the card gets, uh, it goes to infinity. <laughs> wow. When I saw that, I'm like, is this, is this for real? Is this for yeah. real right now? <laughs> so the reason I picked that card is because not only do I feel like it is the the quintessential like Varia card um, because it wholly embraces the dice in a really cool way. (laughs) Um, And it also does it in a way that's not, that's not broken. Um, The, the way that Varia's system works is that like everything I use the term soft counter, um, so, like, if you're playing Magic, if you're familiar with that game, there's counter spells. You you play it, and it just says counter target spell. In my mind, that's a hard counter. I played mm-hmm. the card, I right. countered the thing, right. done, right? A soft counter is like a mana leak, where I play a thing, and it says, hey, I'm threatening to counter this. Right. Are you going to do anything about it? Right. And then you have the choice to pay an additional <clears throat> amount of mana to not counter it, Right. right? Right. It's like a, that's a soft counter. Right. At Varya's core is this mechanic of hitting and missing. And furthermore, this mechanic of distance being engaged or disengaged. And so like if we are disengaged or like far apart from each other, mm-hmm. then any of our attacks that don't have range, like just automatically miss. Right. Um, when we are engaged, if I try to hit you and my act and my focus is lower then your blocks focus, like my accuracy is lower than your avoidance, basically, Mm -hmm. then I will also miss. So there are a lot of opportunities for you to use cards to soft counter me or or position in such a way where you're like, look, like if you don't do anything, your card isn't going to work, right? And so Decapitate, while it seems scary at surface, at face value, like, oh my God, infinity damage, (laughs) like I'm just going to win the game. (laughs) It only has has five accuracy and it costs nine of your 10 action points. (laughs) So when you play it, like there's really not a lot you can do to make it more accurate. It's like really hard to make it more accurate. 
So right. your opponent can just literally play like, and Decapitate's like a level seven aggression card. It's like the pinnacle card in the deck. Like it's right. like ultimate is how we refer to it, like around the office, right? It's like the big play. It's like the big thing. It's the right. Shiv and Dragon, right? Um, but you can just dodge it. <laughs> you can just play dodge. It used to and, be, okay. Oh, All right. right. <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, it's like, it's really easy to deal with it. And you can always just dragon. back up. Like you can also just like decapitate doesn't have ranged. So you yeah. can just like go like yep. this, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's literally like when boxers, like they, like they dodge yeah. like a roundhouse, like, or like yeah. a, like a big, like right hook. They just yeah. do that. And yep. it's like, Oh, you just wasted so much energy, you yeah. know? And I didn't yeah. do anything. And so, Decapitate is like my, it's, it's really, it's like one of my favorite cards because, um, it always gets that reaction that, that you guys had like earlier where it's like, Oh, oh I had my, that reaction. I read it and oh, they're yeah. like, you're insane. Oh, yeah. Like you can't print this. Yeah. Like this, this, this is literally this. crazy. Like you yeah. cannot print this. And then, and sometimes like in the first game that you play it, the opponent's like that. That card's so broken. That that sucks. Like this is annoying. Blah blah. blah. And then, and then, like the more you play, the more you realize like this isn't really that great. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, in the same way that like Shiv and Dragon. Like the more you play Magic, and the more that Shiv and Dragon gets terrored or countered or Doombladed, you're just like Shiv and Dragon's not good. <laughs> so, like it's not good at all. Like, and then you take Does it out. Removal. You, you, yeah. You don't need to put it. Yeah, you need to put it in your deck. So like, right. That's one. That's one of the main reasons why I picked it is, but also because like I don't know if you can see this. Um, so I have this thing that like in my this is we're in my office. So I have this thing framed. This is like our first dollar. Uh huh. This is me as a kid. So like I look at this all the time because it reminds me that like the kid version of me would absolutely love the fact that I'm doing this yeah. with my free time. Yeah. Um, but also like, this is the very first Varia playtest card ever. And it's decap decapitate was one of them. <laughs> nice. And it had the exact same effect of like, it used to be, uh, we used to use all the, d the different dice. So this used the D 20. So uh -huh. if you rolled the D 20 and you got a 20, then you would decapitate them basically. Right. Right. But, that card had a very visceral effect on our playtesters to the same vein that, that you experienced when you first read it. Like they read the card and they went, what? Yeah. Like I just roll and I win. Yeah. Like how is yeah. that fair? Yeah. Because we want you to think that way because in thinking that way, then when you learn about how Varia's mechanics actually work, then you go like, oh wow, like this is actually a really deep, fighting system yeah. that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. I'll get distance on you. I'll right. dodge out of the way, you know, but that right. card alone, it's the only card that survived those early play tests, like all the way to print. Wow. So, um, I have this kind of like as simultaneously as like a reminder to myself of, of like where we've been. Yeah. Um, or like where we've come from, but also, that uh we were still able to maintain like the core that we wanted like when we set out to do this right there had this vision and we we succeeded right. you know right um right so that right. that's the other 
kind of reason that decapitate in my mind is like super special. Right. Um, right. It's also red. It's also red. <laughs> there you go, Jim. <laughs> do, it's red. You still like red. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that, that's awesome. I, again, I, I love, I love hearing the stories behind the reasons for these uh, picks for a card of the week. And, um, this one right here is no different. So thanks a lot. Ant, for, for this week's card of the week. Again, that is decapitate from, of course, Varia. So, um, again, guys, that's, that is this week's card of the week. So thank you. Thanks again. Um, but you know, as, as we wrap up here, um, Anthony, thank you so much. That was, that this was just another, just amazing conversation. We had such a great time. Um, and you know what, and for our audience, can you let them all know where can people find you on the internet and where can they find out more about Varia? Sure. So the, the easiest way to learn about Varia is to go to playvaria.com. So that is our main website. It's got a bunch of information on it. It's got links to all of our socials, um, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we've just started an initiative to really amp up our social media presence because uh, Sean and I are both terrible at it. And we finally <laughs> found some help, uh, which is great. Uh, so we've got like a new Facebook group that we're trying to grow and we've got Discord and things like that. Um, so that's all linked at playvaria.com. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, the, the person, uh, I would say the, the, really the, the only easy way to do that would be either to join our discord. Um, cause I'm on there all the time or this new Facebook group that we have, because I'm, I'm kind of just on there a lot, like interacting with the community. Mm -hmm. Um, or, uh, my, my personal Twitter is just at aunt Tessator, um, so I'm, I'm there as well. That's, I thought I thought it was Tessitore. Tessitore, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tessitore. Um, all right, guys. So be sure be sure to check out all the links that we're going to leave in the description and show notes. So again, if you guys want to check out more about Varia, uh, Guildhouse Games as a company, and um, all those links, we'll be sure to leave all of those in the descriptions of the show. So again, Ant, thank you so much. This was such an awesome yeah, conversation. No, had had a lot of fun. Um, and you know what? We look forward to maybe doing it again sometime. So thanks a lot for joining us today. And love to. Yeah, for sure. This is this has been great. I've, I've really enjoyed it as well. So, yeah, anytime you, you want to have me back, I'm more than happy to do it. <clears throat> I think we've set a limit. Or not a limit, a record. A record. I think we set a record. Yes. Um, these conversations are just getting better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jim and I were talking when when we hung up the call, and it's like, I, I don't want to just stop. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't just stop these conversations because we're getting into a lot of good territory, especially mm -hmm. with the designers. We're going to start pushing four hours soon. <laughs> I, I am not Joe Rogan. <laughs> Nobody's Joe Rogan except Joe Rogan, right? Uh, so, but but still, like we're getting we're getting a lot of really great conversations, and especially mm -hmm. when we talk to the designers, I really love hearing the heart um, and soul of a company and a game yeah. and the reason behind it. Yeah. So, you know, you know, Anthony was just telling us so many great stories about Varia and the company and decisions they made. It's just it's eye opening for me, and mm -hmm. it's like. You know, you heard in that interview, it's just a lot of stuff was clicking for me. When and he was, when he was going over, sorry to cut you off. No, when good. he was, when he was going over the different levels inside the deck that you can have of mm -hmm. like the, the seven different classes. And he was then talking about like PVE going on mm -hmm. adventures with your, with your friends, having the co-op stuff. I'm just mm -hmm. like, 
this is amazing. I know, dude. It's I so liked cool. it so much more. Yeah, it, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like it, for me, it's like okay, I it, it solidified it in my mind of okay, I need to pick this game up again mm. and really dive into it. I yeah. really, really need to dive into it. So um, again, head over to playvaria.com, find out more information about Varia. You know what, Jim? Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Jim Morgan HNH. You guys can find me on Twitter at underscore DJ Campbell, Instagram, Daniel.GI Campbell. Head over to our website, hobbiesandhappiness.com. Find links to all of our stuff right there. Find links to YouTube, pretty much everything there. And again, if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't yet, make sure you like that video, hit that <laughs> subscribe button so you can get notified when we when we release any new content on our channel. Um, you know what, guys? Hopefully you enjoyed this chat and this conversation. We had, again, a lot, a lot of fun. You know what? Let us know if there's anyone that you want us to talk to. Let us Leave us a comment down below. Shoot us an email of conversations you would like to see us have Richard on the channel. Richard Nixon. That's a be a kind of impossible. It's not impossible. We can get one of those Ouija boards. Oh goodness! Summon them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe not. All right. Well, with that, thanks everybody for being here. We'll catch you in the next episode. Take care.